Welcome back, everyone, to Teeny Talk. And today, I'm so excited. Today, we are joined by a journalist. I'll give you a bit of a bio, but exciting, uh, full of energy, fun. So let me just give you a bit of a bio. So Patsy, welcome. Thank you. You're most welcome. I'm so excited to have you. So Patsy Wida Kuswara is Voice of America's White House Bureau Chief. She has 28 years of experience and is well known for her extensive coverage of U.S. politics and foreign policy, as well as her insightful reporting on international affairs. Patsy has covered a wide range of topics during her time as a journalist. She has interviewed numerous high-profile figures in the last two U.S. administrations, Trump and Biden. So welcome. I'm really excited to just talk to you, uh, connect with you, and just hear your experience. So why don't we start there? So tell us a little bit more about your experience working at the White House. So the one thing that I would add to that bio that you have kindly read is that the one thing that I'm most proud of, which is I am the only Indonesian in the White House press corps, the first and the only Indonesian in the White House press corps. I'm also the first female and the first non-white bureau chief at VOA. So, you know, those two things are really important to me. It's a big part of my identity, you know, being female, uh, being, being, I guess, an immigrant, right? I mean, that's, that's what I am because I came to, I came to the U.S. Um, 20, 20 years ago now, uh, 2003. And I first started with the Indonesian service. That's a uh, voice of America's Indonesian service. So I stayed with them for about 15 years and really just, you know, just gotten really comfortable and just gotten really, like, yeah, I know how to do everything with my eyes closed and not feeling challenged anymore. And that was when they had the opening for a White House correspondent at uh, what we call Central News. So if you know, if you don't um, if you're not familiar about Voice of America, we are um, about 40 plus language services, which includes English. And so the way we operate is that we have a core team of what we call the central news people, you know, we we cover in English and then our colleagues from the 40 plus languages, including Indonesian, including, you know, Mandarin, including uh, Urdu and so on, they version our, our products. They version my, my TV packages, my radio uh, pieces, and also the articles that I write. So that was my transition uh, that moved me to the White House. So basically it's been... Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a, a close to a three-decade kind of uh, journey. Journey when I first started journalism, it was goodness um, radio, uh, which is my first love and always will be um, you know, very dear to my heart. Um, I was a radio DJ at uh, a, a radio station in Jakarta called M ninety seven. And then, right during nineteen ninety eight, that was the uh, the whole. Um, riots and demonstrations and you know the, the whole reformasi era do you remember that time when everybody like all the networks descended descended to jakarta and that was a time when basically if you can speak english and if you have a little bit of contact then everybody wants to have you as a fixer so that was my first kind of big break into not big break little break little tiny break into television but then i fell in love with it i fell in love with the with the industry i fell in love with the energy i fell in love with you know just how crazy the people are with their deadlines and you know like it just felt really important and it felt like a big calling and and uh, and i just pursued it yeah can i 
pause you for a minute because you said something right at the beginning that's that's that that I'd be curious to explore a bit more, which is being the first. So being the first woman, being the first uh, Indonesian, being the first person of color or woman of color. Mm-hmm. How does that? What does that? Um, what does that open up for you? Just being the first in so many significant areas. So I never started out with an intention of being a first in anything. Um, I think I need to underscore that. It's not that I have this ambition to be like, oh, I need to be the first whatever. I just love the work so much. And I am just so grateful every day that I get to do this job that I love that, you know, like even if I don't need money, I would I would do this job for free. You know, this is such an amazing opportunity to be right there, front and center, seat of history, so close to, you know, the most powerful office in the land. But, you know, like even before then, even before I was a, a White House correspondent, just the idea of being in journalism, the idea of finding out something, writing something that makes sense, translating, you know, a whole bunch of information into something that might make a difference to people's lives. That's just such a calling for me. Um, so I started with that. I started with that passion, never really started with any kind of ambition. It was just, it was more the work and more the commitment and the, the passion that's driving me. And then once I have become the first Indonesian in the White House press corps, uh, the first female non-white bureau chief, I guess what opens up for me is this feeling of, yeah, I like this. <laughs> this is a good thing. This is cool. Um, it it really, I don't know. That's actually a really interesting question because I've never really thought about it. Yes, of course, it's a source of pride. But I think also, um, in a sense, it gives me a lot of opportunity to do things differently, right? So, for example, uh, at, at our bureau in Voice of America, we now have an eight-person beat. So I have a, a Farsi correspondent, a Mandarin correspondent, and uh, a Dari and Urdu uh, sorry, um, Urdu and Pashto correspondent, a Spanish correspondent, um, and I have, you know, all these different languages working for me. Being a brown woman and knowing how hard it is to get into some doors makes me want to open doors for other people. Mm-hmm. So that was that was that was my philosophy. And then I think it worked out really well because now we have a really broad team. And of course, you know, the, the Farsi correspondent will be the one with a lot of access, a lot of intel about whatever's happening in Iran. You know, our Mandarin correspondent will know the first person to know anything about Xi Jinping happening that's related to the beat. So it makes me a much stronger correspondent, and a much stronger uh, bureau chief as well, because, you know, I, I kind of just like have that team behind me uh, to to support me. So, so that, I guess, um, what opens up for me, is that opportunity of doing things differently. Um, let me just tell you like a, a small anecdote, um, if I may. There was this, I don't know, you know, like this rumor, right? This rumor that that people started saying, oh, Patsy got the job because she's a brown woman. And then when I first heard that rumor, I was like, you know what? I hope I got the job as a brown woman because now I'm going to show everybody how this beat is run as a, you know, as a brown woman. I'm going to run it inclusively. I'm going to run it collaboratively and so so yeah it's it's definitely a source of pride for me to do things differently because i'm a brown woman 
Wow. There's so many things that you said that I'm like, okay, we can go there. We can go. I have so many questions. But let me start with. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep it bite-sized for you next time. I tend to talk too much. I'm sorry. Well, it's not that. Everything you say is so interesting. So um, this idea of responsibility. So because of the the position that you're in, because of the access you have, where do you, what sort of responsibility do you feel you have um, example would be either like maybe to educate people or to tell a story in a way that informs people. I, I, what is it that you feel you're responsible for? So professionally, as a journalist, my responsibility is just to tell the story according to you know the journalistic principles of integrity, credibility, accuracy, fairness, balance, all of that. As a Voice of America journalist, I have an additional responsibility, which is to tell America's story to the world, which is our mandate, right? And so in doing that, it's telling the story as it is, the good and the bad. So, you know, this idea, even though we're we're publicly funded, we're funded by uh, American taxpayers' money, we're funded by Congress, but we have, by law, you know, a law that says that we have to be accountable, we have to be comprehensive, we have to be fair and balanced, we have to explain about the debate behind the policy and not just all the good things about the policy. Um, to give you an example, um, I wrote a story. My last story that I wrote was about how Joe Biden seemingly was provided a question in advance at a press conference. And I thought, you know, if this had happened to Trump, like all the networks will be covering it. But it seems like there weren't too many um, coverage on this issue, certainly not from, you know, MSNBC or like the, the, the left-leaning American press. And so I thought it was really important for us to do it because if we would do it to uh, one administration, we should do it to all administrations. So that's, that's my responsibility is to have the same standard in covering every subject um, and, you know, and, and try to keep any kind of bias out of it. Well, that that's actually what came to my mind, which is if I link this to coaching, which is a lot of our audience uh, listening in would be coaches, uh, graduates from our coaching school or people interested in coaching. Um, one of the things for us is to be very conscious as we're working with a client to be really conscious of our bias so that I don't bring my bias into the conversation to influence my client. How do you report on a story, have a point of view, recognize your bias, but yet tell the story honestly, maybe neutrally, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and in a way that's in integrity to the to the journalistic um, uh, competence or requirements. I, I just feel like I, I treat every story the same, right? I treat every story the same. I treat every subject the same. You have to come at it from just a completely kind of a curiosity. You just come at it with a curiosity. You just follow the story where it goes. Um, and obviously, as a journalist, you have all these standard practices, right? You have to check and recheck. You have to go to different sources. You have to make sure that you include uh, different point of views and um, you know different perspectives and perspectives of sources from from different genders, different backgrounds, uh, those things are important. And I think by doing that, 
you're going to be able to present a much more comprehensive picture. So I don't know if um, if that's the answer that um, that makes sense to you. But uh, but for me, just treating treating every story the same, you know, no matter who the subject is. For example, President Trump, right? Present President Trump was notorious to have a contentious relationship with the media, and I was at the receiving end of that as well. I mean, he said numerous things about um, my outlet. He has dismissed me at press conferences. Um, obviously, there's a lot of like, you know, fake news. And then when we go cover a, a Trump rally, there's a lot of like, you know, negative energy and people shouting at us. But to me, that doesn't, that that doesn't, that's not an issue. You know, it doesn't really change the way I process my stories about Donald Trump, there's no, I guess, I guess the analogy maybe is like, you know, if, if I were a surgeon operating on a tumor, you know, however that tumor is behaving, I don't take that personally, right? Like, I'm not going to operate a tumor differently just because I feel like the tumor is like, oh, this tumor is really like annoying me by being malignant. No, it's a tumor. You operate on it. And the same, the same principle that I apply in my stories, it's a story. I apply, apply the same processes, whether or not the subject is nice or belligerent or, you know, like disrespectful or whatever it is that it may be. That's really interesting. So one of the things that's coming to my mind, and I'm, I'm making these links to coaching and working with clients, is to recognize that their story in the coaching context, for those of you listening in, their story is their story. And every person's story is valid. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love that. Every person's story is valid. And that is why I love so much going to cover uh, stories on the ground. Mm. For example, it's it's one thing to cover a Trump campaign story from Washington, D.C., but it's another thing to go to a Trump rally or to go to a base you know, uh, where lots of Trump um, uh, supporters live and actually talk to them you know, and try to understand what is it about President Trump that you love so much. And they will tell you their stories. And, and there's no reason for me to doubt their stories, right? I mean, these are their experiences. These are their, their day-to-day lives that they're telling me. So their experiences are valid. And I need to come at it from an understanding that I'm curious about yep. what you are telling me. And I'm I'm going to try to put it into the bigger picture. But your story is valid as it is. Yeah, that's so, that's so, um, the word that comes to my mind is juicy. Because <laughs> this whole idea of your story, you as in whether you're my client or whoever I'm talking to, your story has legitimacy given how you see it. And for coaching, that's totally legitimate as well. And I, I'm loving this overlap between the two. So I'm curious, because you've been in the industry for um, 28 years, how have you grown as a human being? Uh, I think, well, it has become more and more a part of my identity. You know, I think I think my, being a journalist is probably my second identity after being a mother you know and then being 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 a javanese being an indonesian being a jakarta girl yes that's all of that is part of my identity and now being an indonesian american uh since i um uh, got my my citizenship a couple of years ago but number one being a journalist it, it really it really has affected 
uh, how I see myself. Uh, I take a lot of pride in what I do. Um, and yeah, and just just having that gratitude of just waking up every morning thinking, I have a really, really amazing job that I love. And it's a, it's, it's a great feeling because I know that not everybody has that, right? Like I think a lot of people um, sometimes don't find their passion so quickly in life. And that was not my story. I fell into journalism and I fell in love with it immediately. I um, I think there's only one year in my life uh, where I was not a journalist, working not as a journalist. And that was right after college when Citibank offered me this, um, what is that thing called? Like the, the management associate program, you know, like the, the fast track where they, they pick up, they scoop up. <laughs> they scoop up you know people from the university and offer them this yes. fast track to become a vice president and so I thought um okay I'm gonna try this I want to see because I want to be able at the end of this program I want to be able to answer the question do I want to be a journalist or do I want to make money <laughs> right <laughs> and then I realized the answer is like I don't like making money no I'm just kidding I'm not good at making money <laughs> like make, just making money doesn't make me happy so yeah so I returned to journalism so what what if I were to ask you three words that you would use to describe yourself what would they be uh curious definitely impulsive um impulsive that is something that i'm working on um constantly um i would like to think that i'm also a very, very grateful person um yeah so those three things yeah. the the curious and the grateful i'm happy and proud about the impulsiveness is like oh, sometimes we need to work on that <laughs> that strikes me um because as i'm looking at you the the word that kind of hits me um is bold you feel really bold to me in your because i'm wearing pink i got the pink it's memo the it could be the color um and i'm just because you when you described your identity you said i'm a journalist after i'm a mom meaning being yeah. a mom is number one how do those three words you mentioned um spill over into who you are as a mother well definitely being a mother is just like come on right like before being a mom I thought these big words like love or fear you know or gratefulness like yeah I know what they mean but then having a child is like oh my god no I did not know what those words meant now I know what those words mean right because there's there's nothing like a child that makes you feel like okay there's just no words for me to describe my love or my fear right after you become a mom. So, so definitely being a mother has just like expanded my limits of, I don't know, my, my emotions, my humanity, I guess. So, um, that part of it, that's, that's a big gratitude, um, component that lap, uh, overlaps into that curiosity. Yes, of course, because, you know, having a, having a child is like, it makes you curious all over again about the world because, you know, especially when they're young, I mean, right now my son's 15 and he's kind of like too cool for anything, <laughs> but you know, when, when they're young, they're like, Oh my God, mommy, what, it, why is this leaf green? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we need to find out, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an amazing journey and I would not trade it for anything. I mean, I, I do believe that, that, it's been also easy, you know, like journalism has been easy for me, an easy path, an easy journey and motherhood as well. I'm just super blessed to have a my son who's like super chill. Uh, your producer, Sari, knows him very well. And she would uh, 
she would agree with me that he's just like such a cool kid and so sweet and so you know I mean he's 15 but he would still be okay with the public hugs and yeah he's just like a really cute and sweet and kind kind boy wow um so what is the future for you like what do you how do you how do you wish to unfold as the future progresses in your career so I would like to stay uh, at the White House beat for at least another one administration, um, maybe even two. We'll see. Um, and then after that, I think I want to do, I don't know, right? Like I have this idea of like, I want to be a war correspondent. I want to go somewhere where it's dangerous. Um, I've, I haven't given up that hope, but I'm rethinking it in the sense that why do I want that? Like, why do I want to do that? Do I have anything to prove to myself or do I actually want to change the story if it's important. So that's still a question that I haven't really fully answered. Um, but one more thing that I also want to do is I want to teach um, because I love I love mentoring. I love um, helping out, particularly uh, women. I have a couple of uh, um, mentees, uh, female, young female journalists. I think, you know, this is this is our time to shine. Um, and, you know, Maybe some people would think of me as sexist, but I do feel that as as female journalists, we do have a leg up in some ways than male journalists because we we can do the hard hitting interviews and we can also be compassionate when we have to talk about, I don't know, to survivors of breast cancer, for example, or um, when we're talking about the abortion debate or something like that. So I, I think I think it's uh, journalism is a wonderful, wonderful career for for women and I want to help more young women get into it. What's your, um, what's your wish? If we were to stand 20 years from now, what's your wish for women? What compels you? For them to try to always, always try, always believe that, you know, whatever room you're in, you belong there. Um, have, have confidence. If you don't have confidence, fake it till you make it. Right. Like I, I don't know how many times I, I say that to um, to anybody who would listen, any kind of, you know, younger uh, people who would want to listen. Seriously, the first three months that I try that I was on the White House beat, I think maybe like 70 percent of my energy goes into making sure that my face is not in shock when other people are asking these questions and I'm thinking, oh my God, what are they talking about? I don't know what they're talking about. Am I the stupidest person in the room? You know, like you have to be able to overcome that. And I really want to stress that for, for women to just like, just keep going. You know, it doesn't matter if you're the smallest fish in the pond, just keep sticking at it and keep going to the bigger pond because it's useless, not useless, but it's better, I think, to be, the small fish in the big pond and just keep on moving to the bigger pond and the bigger pond and the bigger pond. All you need to do is just not get eaten, right? And then you'll, you'll just keep on learning and you'll just keep on growing. So um, that's something that I really like to uh, underscore to women. Wow. Oh my gosh. I loved, I loved our time together. I'm going to wrap it up, but thank you so much. Um, yeah, so inspiring. What a way to start my day. It's been so lovely and thank you so much for inviting me and I hope uh, what I made makes sense. Totally, totally makes sense. And I loved it. So inspiring. Thank you. Bye.